Good morning. Um, I am Sarah Bournes, one of the pastors here on staff. Drew Hyun, our lead pastor, is with Hope Brooklyn today. So we are part of a larger family of Hope churches, and he's there, and I get to be here. And this is my last time coming at you by the name of Sarah Bournes because I will be getting married four weeks from today. So soon to be Sarah Bournes Crosby. Um, my soon to be husband is running point on the PowerPoint today. So. Good job. Yay. Good to be with you all today. We are continuing in this series that we've been in on mission. And I, the Lord has been speaking to me so much this week about how the mission of God is also about restoration and rest. So delighted to share what God's been speaking to me. So we know um, last week of you were here. Welcome to those of you who are new, by the way. I think we have a lot of new faces, so really glad you're here. Um, thanks. <laughs> Just a little wave. So Drew preached last week on the mission of God being that God is restoring all things. This is, if we were to boil it down, what is the mission of God? It's to restore all things, to bring it back to the way it was. And God is always either creating or recreating. That is what he does. God is always either or creating out of nothing or recreating out of something that is not the way it's supposed to be. He's either remaking brand or making brand new things or remaking things that are broken. This is God's mission and this is the story that we are all caught up in. That it's the mission of restoration of recreating and remaking, restoring all things for us and through us. But I know that the word mission has some baggage associated with it. Maybe you even conjure up ideas of military might, you know, mission in a, a militaristic power kind of way. Or maybe you think of Christendom and the Crusades and just all the junk there. Maybe you grew up in a church where mission was kind of spoken of as evangelizing and witnessing, and maybe there was a lot of uh, guilt or shame or shoulds attached to it. Maybe it just feels like a lot of doing, like there's this long, I need to do better, work harder, try more, be more, do more. So today I want to kind of undo maybe some of the myths that have come around mission and just debunk some of the try-hard life that we might associate with it and just hear the gentle invitation of Jesus to partner with him through the Holy Spirit in his mission in the world. So we know that what we are about here at Hope Midtown is that we are just everyday, normal, ordinary people who are on mission with Jesus in New York City in the places that we find ourselves on our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not just on Sunday. And I want to ask us, what if this mission could be easy and light? Maybe we've associated it with hard and heavy and serious. What if the mission of God, his invitation is easy and light and fun? The mission of God, we make it maybe overcomplicated and too serious and like a try hard kind of thing. And another question, what if it's less about what we should do? Maybe we come to church and we think we're going to hear the what I should do and who I should be. But what if it's more about who we already are? And the idea that we are just the people of God, his, he has transformed us. And so it's more about who we already are. So those are the framing questions for today. 
And we're jumping into the book of Acts. You heard Kathy read the first few verses of the book of Acts, and it's written by Luke, one of um, the apostles who wrote the book of Luke. And so that's why he's saying, I'm, I'm following up on, I told you the story of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. And now I'm going to tell you the continuing story of Jesus, all that he began to do and teach. But this is more than just Jesus's earthly life, what he began to do and to teach, but this is about how Jesus's mission is continuing through the book of Acts, even after verse 11, when Jesus is taken up into, back into heaven. And so this is the, begin, the continuing story of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, and now it is about us as well. And so this first call to us about the restful mission of God We see Jesus turning to his disciples. He's brought them together. They don't know it's their last time together yet, but he's brought them together and to give them kind of that final charge. And maybe it's less of the commission and sending that we have picked up along the way, but he he calls them to kind of lean in close and gather them for this gentle invitation. And he says, first of all, this mission of God is going to require you to wait. And maybe that's even the first, maybe that's the main thing that you need to hear today is that sometimes this mission actually is about pushing pause for a time and retooling and receiving what it is that you might need for the next thing that God is inviting you into. So sometimes we need to hear this invitation to wait, not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Later he calls them to Jerusalem, but the first call is to wait. And his disciples, they're leaning in, hearing him give this invitation, and they probably have a million questions on their minds. They've seen him die, and now he's alive. They've been on this roller coaster of, we thought you were the Messiah, and then you died, and now you're here, and all these questions. And this is the one question that they ask him. They turn to him and they ask him, Lord, will you at this time, restore the kingdom to Israel. I'm wondering what questions you might have of Jesus right now. And maybe it's even something along those lines, like, are you going to fix this? Are you going to restore this? Maybe you can think of a question for Jesus that you have this morning. And I kind of read this question, actually, in four different parts. They're asking these things, Lord, Will you? Are you going to do it? We've seen you do all these miracles along the way. Okay, now, now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Lord, will you restore, will you at this time? Are you going to do it now? I have this idea of time in my head. Will you do it now? And then restore the kingdom to Israel. They really, we could read their question if we know a bit of our history We know that what they're kind of asking is, Jesus, are you going to commence this mission that they have in their minds of taking down the Roman regime that they've been living under and restoring by Jesus being literally on the throne in Jerusalem, taking back Israel from their oppressors? So their idea of, okay, Jesus, you're going to do this and do it in our way and do it in our time and do it with like human power and might and set your throne like literally in a a physical place in Jerusalem. And so they were expecting this restoration to come in kind of a very human, narrow, small way. 
That was their question of Jesus. And kind of through like the striving, trying, try harder, do more, do better kind of life. And it, again, feels like that pressure and that expectation and exhausting. And maybe you've felt that way about this call that God might have on your life of being on mission with Jesus. It can feel maybe guilt-inducing or exhausting and a lot of shoulds. But we'll see from the way that Jesus responds to his friends that he has something really different in mind and that it's actually this invitation to rest and to working with him and walking with him. So as we read Jesus' response, I kind of want us to picture Jesus just like smiling and kind of huddling them close and sort of just smirking at them, winking at them about what he's about to unfold among them. And that it isn't a a go and do and a should kind of commissioning, but actually a let's, let's gather together close and hear what he says. So he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and all the way to New York City. And so maybe at first it doesn't look like Jesus is answering their question exactly, but kind of skirting around it, which he's been known to do. But we'll see that he kind of directly responds to each of those parts of that four-part question. And the first one is that question of timing. Are you going to do it now at this time? And the first thing he says is, take a deep breath. And slow down, I'm not in a hurry. He says that it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Maybe there's something in your life it is not for you to know right now. And they had been waiting and hoping and expecting. They'd been looking for the Messiah to come and he was here now and they wanted him to do something and to do it big. But Jesus kind of just asked them to step back and realize they're in it for the long haul. That this mission of God, it's a long game. It's a long story. And we find ourselves still in the middle of this story of redemption, of restoration. That he is making all things new, but it might take a little longer and it might be done a little differently than we expect. And maybe some of us just today need to hear that phrase, it is not for you to know right now. Maybe there's something you want to know, a timing or a question that you want to know. And Jesus would just gently say to you, it is not for you to know right now. And not because he's keeping it from you because he's hiding something, but this is not for you to know right now. And maybe we could even just hear him saying, this might make more sense one day. There might be something that you don't know right now, but you can trust that actually one day, I might understand, because they understand a lot more, even a few chapters later. This will make more sense one day. And maybe that one day for us is a long way away. Maybe it's not until we see Jesus face to face. But one day, the things that we wish we knew now, maybe it'll make more sense one day. Because we're just right in the middle of this grand story of redemption and of restoration. And there's the long haul that we're signing up for, and God isn't in a hurry. He has a pace that might be different than ours. So it is not for you to know right now, first off. 
And then secondly, he answers the question of, are you going to do this, Jesus? They kind of want to take a step back, and they've seen Jesus do all these miracles. And remember, along the way, Jesus had invited them to join him, like, you go pass out the bread, and I will give you the power to go and heal people. And his disciples, they had watched Jesus do it, but Jesus had done a little bit of prepping them to, okay, you can do it too. And he always wanted to involve them in this work. And now he's saying, it's not just going to be me. Lord, will you do it? But actually, he turns to them and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I remember when my little niece Audrey was six years old and she was learning to tie her shoes. And she came up to me one day and asked, Sarah, can you just tie my shoes real quick? And I knew since she was learning how to tie them that it probably wouldn't be best if I just, I could have, you know, just done it quickly. But actually I was like, Audrey, why don't we do it together? Because I didn't want to steal from her process of learning. And so I put my hands on hers and we wrapped the loop and pulled it through and it took a little longer. But she looked at me and was like, thanks, we did it together. And she went off on her merry way. And I think that this, this happens in my life a lot. God, can you just fix this? Can you just do that? My prayers sound a lot like, can't you, can't you just do it? And he's like, Sarah, let's do it together. This is something that I have equipped you to do. Maybe you can be a part of your own prayers. And even maybe some of us have asked like, Lord, how are you going to fix this broken world? And when are you going to fix even this specific problem that I'm facing? When are you going to do it? And Jesus looks at us and says, actually, we're going to do it together. This broken, corrupt, unjust world, we are a part of the re restoration and redemption. And so we get to hear Jesus invite us to lean in and come and join him. And the, again, this isn't that try harder message that, okay, do more, do better, be good. It's actually a, what Jesus did with his disciples. It's a watch me do it. Walk with me and work with me. Because he, the same disciples, the same Jesus, just a few chapters before in Matthew 11, the same Jesus invites them. The passage that we're familiar with is, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And in the message version, I love, I love what it says. So picture the same Jesus who calls his disciples here in Acts 1. This is the same Jesus who gathers them together in this and says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What if the mission of God is freely and lightly? Is us being able to be the most natural, our normal everyday selves, and just allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. And that's this third part of Jesus' answer. They want him to restore the kingdom in military power and might. They have this picture of what they want restoration to look like and to do it in kind of this human strength and striving way. But instead, he, instead Jesus says, 
You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this key word here is receive. Receiving is a lot more restful than the producing and doing and striving and trying. And I believe this is less of a command, you must go and do and be more, but actually more of just a statement of reality, that this is what really is. This is what is already happening. That this is a when the Holy Spirit comes and he comes again and again and again. And the book of Acts basically is the rest of this verse unfolding slowly. So what if the Holy Spirit his power, all we do is receive it. Jesus says this is less about you doing something in your strength and trying harder. All we do is receive. We don't have to muster up all the, the wisdom and the smarts and the trying hard. This is not a gospel of might and power. If the mission of God doesn't feel like, if it feels like a producing and a striving and trying, then it's not the real mission of God. I love the word restoration. If Jesus is restoring all things, that we are part of this story of restoration, that the restoration comes from rest. If we are receiving the Holy Spirit and letting him do it, it's a restoration that comes from rest and it leads us into rest. That God restoring all things means that he is restoring us to rest. That even the concept of heaven is a restful place. And that we are with Jesus in full peace and rest. And so if it feels guilty or exhausting or try harder, then it's not the mission of God. The mission is restoration and rest. And lastly... The way Jesus responds to their question of, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And kind of in my little space and in my place and where I understand it, he gives them this, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's kind of a, whoa, that's intense. They're standing there with him, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's intense. I was just thinking right here in Israel. But it's actually because of it being the most natural overflow of when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they will be witnesses. They couldn't help it. They couldn't not be witnesses. So witnesses are, a witness is simply someone who tells what happened. We're familiar with that word. A witness as a noun is someone who just tells what happened to them, what they saw, what they heard. And this is who we already are. As people whose lives have been changed, maybe dramatically, maybe in just our everyday, that we are people who have witnessed to the power of God in our lives and that this is just something that would come as a natural overflow. The disciples in the book of Acts, they never had to be told to try harder, to do better, to evangelize. They never had to be taught how to do witnessing. They just were witnesses as they went about their lives. And this is indeed how the rest of Acts 
goes about that they literally chapter after chapter are going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth because of their identity as witnesses, just bearing witness to the transformation that Jesus had already given them. And I think of people like Brian, he gave me permission to mention him. If you follow our Hope um, Instagram, Hope Midtown, uh, you probably saw us sharing the story of Brian Yoon this week, how his life has been changed by Jesus and he can't help just talking about it. And that it's actually just the most normal thing for him to speak of Jesus and the changes that Jesus has given him in his life. And I think of um, another gal that I was sitting next to at the women's brunch yesterday and just sharing about how this last year she had really, really struggled, but Jesus has just been restoring her joy and her hope. And now she really just wants friends and family to know what that hope feels like. She sees people who are hopeless. She sees her sister struggling and she just desperately desires that the same joy that she has received from Jesus that her sister would receive. And this is normal, natural, just speaking in the way that is the most familiar, uh, the most us. And so again, it's maybe less of a go and do and try harder, do better, but more about what is in your, your normal, everyday routine in life. Where do you find yourself, the places that you're during the week um, frequenting, I think of Elizabeth Black. She can stand in a coffee line and just immediately have a friend. She just last week spoke with a woman who just that she met in a coffee shop line and by the end of their conversation, she was inviting this woman to a Bible study online and the woman jumped at it and was so thrilled. And then I think of Laura and Ryan Hairston um, who in their apartment building, they just bring cookies to their neighbors and just kind of know everyone in their whole building and it's just the most normal part of who they are. They're not living in this like, okay, on mission, do better, try harder, do more, but actually it's just flowing out of who they already are. And so I'll just ask us again, what if a life on, mix on mission could actually be easy and light? What if it could actually be fun? and who you already are. And maybe there's just a prompt that the Holy Spirit is giving you right now on who is it that you already are? Where is it that you already spend your time? And what could be the most natural overflow, outflow of who you are? And I think, I know for myself, the times when it doesn't feel natural, it might be just that I want to invite the Holy Spirit once again to fill me up. In the book of Acts, we see that over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and out of that was how they continued speaking of Jesus. They couldn't help it. They couldn't help what they, to talk about what they saw and heard. And so maybe our invitation today, our primary takeaway here is just to say, Holy Spirit, come. I actually just want more of your overflowing spirit and that that would be the posture that I go out and in my everyday ordinary life live on mission with Jesus. And so as Justice and Jane come back up, we will invite the Holy Spirit once again. This is an ongoing, continual thing that 
the Holy Spirit fills us, we rest and receive His filling. We go into our Monday tomorrow, and we are people who are witnesses on mission with Jesus, and it's actually freely and lightly and gentle and the most normal thing we could be.